0: say I'm understudy, might say I'm over the top. But there's like no clean water, so the pop is overstocked. They say amazing grace. Sister! Yes, I'm coming back around. Let's talk.
1: Let's talk, black girls. Girl, girl, girl talk. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Drea is in a group called Let's Talk, Black Girls.
0: That That's is cute. just... horrifying
1: horrifying no it's about sisterhood and being able to connect with people who are like you well
0: you she is
1: connected she is connected we are connected she connects with people (laughs) my mother Uh, dr edna leonichow she was obsessed with my daughter audra and convinced that she was a genius at you know eight months old and repeatedly would be like tanya she connects (laughs) with people oh no 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 no, tanya she is very smart that's what she'd say (laughs) hey hi everybody and hi sister and hi tanya Hi, yes. you know, um, so this is Tanya's Take, and what I've come to realize, so uh, this podcast is called Tanya's Take, and the, um, okay. the title is Race, Culture, and the Culture of Race. But to some degree, I realize subconsciously, I've probably felt some sort of pressure that it needs to be like, more about you know race and culture and leaning into the educational aspect, so forth and so on but lately i've realized that what i'm really doing is just focusing on the culture aspect of the subtitle which is why we're doing these movie reviews because they are in the cultural zeitgeist and we are weighing in i can't talk to you you said zeitgeist <laughs> I'm, gonna have to, I'm gonna have
0: to hang up now. Because we don't talk like
1: that. <laughs> Zeitgeist is an amazing word, as is discombobulated. Oh, no, discombobulated. I love that word. We are representative of the culture, and I think one of the quickest way to learn is just to listen. And that's what we're going to do, because we're going to talk about soul, and hopefully you're going to listen if we haven't already lost you. Um, so we are talking Never. about Pixar's soul. Um, which is on uh, Disney plus, which number one is not an equitable thing, right? To have this streaming platform right. that not everybody can afford. Uh, it's problematic and um, unfortunate. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> um, so yes. in this case with soul, Gina, the tables turned a little bit because normally I'm the one like, who's like, Oh, you should watch this and then we can talk about it. But in this case, you asked me, hey, did you watch Soul? And you um, had already watched it. And I was trepidatious due to what Audra had to say about it, which we'll get to in a moment. Um, So the synopsis of Soul is that a 45-year-old music teacher in New York who dreamed of being a great jazz musician, um, after nailing the biggest audition of his life, Joe falls down a manhole and dies. Arriving in the great beyond. Instead of accepting what happened, he runs away from the light and into a place called the great before. There, he is paired with a soul named 22 who never wants to leave that place. And together, Joe and 22 will discover the meaning of life and the afterlife. That is the synopsis. So, I like to always kick these conversations off with a few fun facts. I'm only going to do three because. I think that's a good number. Um, so my first uh, fun fact is about Tina Fey who plays 22. So I have a long history. Huh. I did not know that. Well, Oh, you didn't know Tina Fey plays 22? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a second. That's a problem right Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anyway, so Tina Fey and I were at the Second City at the same time. We were, actually, I was there before she was, and then she joined, and she was kind of like, you know, she shot through the ranks, so I think she was initially there as an understudy for the stages. And before she ever even made it into a tour co, which would have been the logical next thing for her, they put her on the main stage because she's, you know, as an improviser, quite talented. Is she? Yeah. Soon after that, she got um, pegged to go and write for Saturday Night Live. Now, eventually she became the first female head writer at Saturday Night Live. But, um, you know, as the Second City family, we were all excited. We're like, oh yeah, Tina made it to New York. And um, she came back after like a few months being on the job. And I saw her at the bar in the lobby where everybody hung out. Yes. And she's like, hey, Tanya. I'm like, hey, Tina. And we were chit-chatting a little bit. And she's like, you know, you should put together a writing packet. We're looking to um, have more of a diverse writing room and I was like oh yeah Hmm." because at the time I was more focused on performing so I did not put together a writing package wow and um it's one of those like sliding door moments because it's like what if I had and what if it had gotten accepted and what if I had been on the staff for Saturday Night Live so the thing is
0: wow
1: right whoops well, no, because you know what? You didn't know what you were talking about then. Right. You might have done more harm than good.
0: <laughs> well, that's
1: the truth. I mean, like, right? No regrets. I always think of it as like, if I had done that, first of all, I would have been miserable in New York. I never would have met Bill. I never would have had the other opportunities Aww. that I've had. But it does say something about not passing up opportunities um, like that because I was writing at the time. So what the hell was I thinking? I should have just done it and seen what I could have gotten out of it, but I didn't. So say yes to everything, people. You just never know. Um, Are you sure? Well, Because, you know, we like to say yes to things, and then we're very sorry. Well, now that I'm looking at it through this lens, like, of anti-racism, I probably would have been miserable on the writing staff of Saturday Night Live in the 90s. Oh, my God, you couldn't have gotten them to do anything. I couldn't have gotten them to do anything. Let's remember, mm-hmm. they didn't start diversifying the cast until Keenan Thompson made the crack about there are no funny black female comedians. And that, <laughs> like, got controversial. Yeah. Kidding? No, he was dead serious. And so oh. that shit hit the fan. So then Lorne Michaels had to, like, uh, hurry together auditions for black performers, female performers. And that's how um, Sashir Shish- Zamata got on the show. Um, but that was like in the 2000s, like that was mid 2000s or something. That was not that long ago. <laughs> um, Amazing. So it would have been miserable, right? So like, this is the first time I realized like maybe that story isn't about just saying yes. What is that story about?
0: Who knows? The fact that that question is still something that is exactly as misaligned today as it was years ago, 30 years ago.
1: Ooh, talk more
0: about that. Almost almost nothing has changed. You're still being approached by the same groups uh, to do something about diversifying their staff and their plays and their musicals and their things.
1: Oh, my God. Exactly. I'm having a moment because seriously, that has been like something in my life that's always been the like, oh, what was I thinking? And the fact is, we'll talk about this in a moment. It's really funny that it was Tina Fey. Right? Is problematic. And she's a problematic person, yes. And just this idea that, like, um, it's exactly that. Like, oh, we're looking to diversify our staff, submit something, which is fine, but. Not They wouldn't have had any infrastructure to support a black writer at that time. Very unlikely. They thought if they just put you in there, that'd be it. And it would have been been a nightmare because those rooms, that room back then was just white, cisgender, heterosexual, like Harvard, male, white graduates. Like, that was the type of people. Anyway, they also used to pee in jars because they had to like, write and work all hours so instead of actually going to the bathroom they would just pee in jars and put it on a shelf it's true and then last but not least did you know that jamie Foxx dated katie holmes for five years undercover because if tom cruise ever had found out he would have (laughs) both killed people knew about that and i really got the impression because jamie Foxx made a movie with tom cruise and their friends and then after they divorced katie and tom Jamie starts dating her. So they just were like way on the undercover because it's um, just... the DL. The DL. But I knew
0: about it. Yeah. I mean, everybody I know knew about it. And I thought it was such an interesting relationship.
1: It was very interesting. And it was five years. Okay. Yes. So now we're going to start to talk about the movie. Um, but, Gina, we start with things that we loved. What did you love about the movie jeaner <laughs>
0: i um i really enjoyed the um colorful animation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i enjoyed um the personality of the guy mm-hmm. i bought it okay um wasn't too much of one thing or another. You know, he wasn't like, yeah, 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 brother, brother, brother. Let's, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, let's change the world. He was just a guy. Okay. Um with a dream. I um thought the mother was so pretty. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um I loved the music class showed. They were so cute, the music class. The
1: students in the music class. Yeah. Um
0: I I I kind of liked the like rapport between the people in that crazy world you know mm-hmm. just kind of babbling and everybody's named a name one name and it was kind of funny. Um, because you liked the movie, I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, goody!
1: Okay, yes. You're not sure yet. I want to talk briefly about Felicia Rashad because you know what, Gina, Felicia Rashad voiced the mother. Felicia Rashad was also the grandmother in Jingle Jangle, which we spoke about in a previous episode. I, you know, I think that she has become sort of an iconic um, representation of motherhood in black culture. are we leaning into that right now, huh? I never liked her
0: (laughs) at all. I think she's mean and unapproachable. I think she was a terribly cold mom. In the show? Yeah. Yeah, Oh my gosh, you're so right. Oh my gosh, she was so cold. I did not like her at all. You know what? She was not warm and fuzzy at all. At all. Like not even a moment where she shared with her daughter anything or like any of their hugged do- them? She very nope. rarely hugged them. Yeah. Or like, I'm so proud of you, honey. Holy cow. Right?
1: Okay. We digress. We have digressed. Okay. So anyway, um, so as far as things I loved, I love the animation, obviously. The animation though, when we're dealing with the um, present tense, in new york it's so gorgeous and real it's kind of mind-boggling and messes with your brain right yeah especially the nature stuff wait um what do you mean? oh the
0: nature Uh stuff yeah that's what's the most beautiful stuff because he doesn't really look like a person like nobody looks like that guy with a big lower face and you know what i mean
1: Mm-hmm. You know what's funny is actually some mm-hmm. person posted on Twitter like my dad finally found his Pixar character and his it's a picture of her real dad and he looks exactly like
0: that. oh oh my god that is so great really it's really funny
1: that's
0: um, so cute
1: yeah yes. I think um so I love that I, I, but you know what I loved more than anything actually was watching it with Audra because. And that's sort of the point of supposedly these movies, right, is to bring families together and, and, um, you know, I have a, you know, Otter's 13 and we hang out, but, you know, it's also a little bit like having like a tenant when you have a 13 year old. Right. Who basically comes out for food, right? It does not pay rent. <laughs> Does not pay rent, and also, both of us have. I've totally been struggling with my attention span, it's very small, I barely can watch movies anymore. Um, and they have been struggling with the same, but we both sat down and got in the bed and set up the computer and watched it. And it was, I was literally in heaven, it was so fun. Well, that's
0: the thing, Noah and I watched it, and I actually watched it from beginning to end which is like without getting up and doing 16 other things and making a necklace and for
1: a while there and i, I thought is the, i maybe could have would have loved it if it was like where i thought it was going which is that it was a film about appropriation but it was what i thought okay so this whole it's thing pixar. is pixar <laughs> well exactly and there's this character 22 who is a soul and after he dies he meets this soul who has avoided going into a body and living on earth and um at one point there's a mix-up and the soul goes into his body when they go back to earth and his soul goes into a cat <laughs> Which brings up a recurring theme in many of these movies where Black characters never actually get to be Black throughout the entire film. They turn into things like <laughs> frogs, pigeons, blobs, right? Right. Um, you know, Princess and the Frog, she turns into a frog about 20 minutes in. The, the Smith movie, he turns into a pigeon. So here we are. We have this gorgeous animation, this black male character. We're getting into it. And before the fucking credits, he's turned into a blob. <laughs> and then when the blob falls back to Earth, the blob falls into a cat. And the right. soul uh-huh. falls into uh-huh. the black man's body. And, at that, and then at, later in the movie, the soul tries to run off with the body to enjoy right. life. That's why I thought it was about appropriation. Right? Oh,
0: interesting. Yes. No, no way. Way too deep.
1: Well, well, it wasn't about appropriation. And what it right. really became for me and why I was just cringing the entire time. So this character, 22, um, speaks in the voice of an annoying middle-aged white woman There's a joke about it early on. She says, I picked that voice because it's the most annoying voice. And that voice is Tina Fey's voice. Tina Fey has a long history Uh of sort of saying and doing problematic things, whether it's the sheet cake moment on Saturday Night Live, um, which I'll share stories about on Instagram, or the fact that she's had characters who wear blackface on her sitcoms. She comes from sort of a privileged white lady place and she has been largely Mm -hmm. criticized on various um, sort of missteps. And um, here she is playing this character Mm -hmm. who then goes into this black man's body on earth. And all I could think about was that it was like (laughs) this dynamic of white women throughout history's ownership of black males bodies um wow yeah
0: <laughs> i didn't uh i didn't get any of that at all but
1: interesting and the fact that she behaves terribly she's um flinging his body all over the place then they take them him as the cat her in his black body to places like the barber shop which is sort of culturally sort of a you know, in Black culture, a gathering place. And it's the first time, because it's her voice coming out of his body, which nobody notices, by the way. What was that?
0: Yeah, right. Well, I didn't know that it was. Yeah. Okay, continue. This is fascinating. (laughs) So
1: they go into this barbershop. And for the first time ever, in this white lady voice, Joe connects with the barber who cuts his hair. And he learns yes. about this barber and this barber's dreams. And it's like a human connection. And the barber's like, oh man, it's really nice to talk to Ben about more than jazz. So essentially the subtext there is the first time Joe's able to actually connect with another black man in sort of the, um, the sort of heart of black culture, which is the barbershop is when he's being, um, voiced and taken over by an annoying middle-aged white woman. Well, I don't, I, I think, I, 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 <laughs> okay.
0: uh-huh. I don't think that, no. So I don't think it's about the middle-aged annoying black white woman. It is to you because you know, but not us. We didn't know, let's say, but it is true that he is unable as a black man, as himself. To, to have feelings. But also, he's. I think we kind of see him as like a loser who's like still living with his mom and his mom's controlling him. So there's a lot of things, I feel like.
1: But what do you mean you didn't know it was an annoying white lady because she- I didn't know it was Tina Fey. Well, that's the sidebar. But the joke is that it's purposely- And here's the thing, like- <laughs> We can't as a culture fully succumb Two stereotypes, like someone who quote unquote sounds black or someone who quote unquote sounds white, right? Like, because I've heard that my whole life. You're the whitest black person I've ever met, right? Because I don't Mm -hmm. sound quote unquote stereotypically black. So Mm -hmm. here it is. They introduce this stereotypical trope of the annoying white lady. So then he becomes that white lady. You can't like separate it out and pretend like he's not her.
0: It isn't just a voice. No, I wasn't able to detach, but you were. Yeah, I mean, I thought he was. It was just sad that it couldn't. That I agree with everything you said, except I didn't put the middle-aged white woman thing together. Just only something else could experience feelings. Black people can't.
1: Gina sent me a text, which was basically, "Oh, here it is." Hold on. Um, 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 um. okay so the first pixar movie was 1995 and it's like the pitch is what if toys had feelings? feelings and then 2007 is what if rats had feelings <laughs> oh my <laughs> then god
0: then 2006
1: is what if cars had feelings and 2015 is what if feelings had feelings and then oh. all the way in 2020 finally they pitch what if black people had feelings
0: oh my god so funny and sad
1: by the way in the movie basically the statement is he can't have feelings until he is taken over by a white lady
0: interesting right okay all right
1: and then he gives up his life for her when she's done nothing but wreak havoc on his he doesn't get to choose his life
0: was done anyway He, he that's the thing he couldn't go and play and figure all that stuff out and have 22 but there was no way he was coming back then there was he a moment
1: where he could go back and instead he not was. really what were things that made you go
0: hmm, hmm. um well i didn't understand any of the tw- like helping and mentoring and oh what are they mentoring people for and who's the why is it a blue blob and why is he behavior disordered and how come he's afraid and yes. you know they don't develop anything I'm just like what is happening up here no yes what the hell is going yes. on
1: you know so this like before this great before which is this whole world they've created with all these rules and Um, which I could not follow. I was like, what is happening? I needed Otto to explain that to me. Um, and I also was like, I, I think that whole world and so much of the movie is spent with these sort of simplistic drawings. When we've come out of these amazing animations when they're on earth and then they go into the great before and it's just a bunch of squiggly Picasso looking lines. I know that they get tired. Like, they're like, this was all we had. <laughs> 100% got tired and are like, oh, fuck, we have almost the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> Let's
0: make this squiggly line, people.
1: Yeah, Useless. I thought that was so strange. Useless. Um, I thought it was very strange that nobody notices that his voice is different when he's talking to people.
0: Because he never talks to anybody.
1: Is that what it is? Yeah. He speaks- And then he kind of fakes it a little bit when he's talking to his mom. Well, some people are very upset about that. I don't think Tina Fey ever was trying to sound like a black man. God, thank God. She right. had a chance not to do that. But there are people who, who took it that way, and which just is more insult to injury, which is that she was trying to sound like a black man. <laughs> I think people are way too uptight, dude. Do you? Do <laughs> yeah i really do
0: i don't care who voiced what i think it's sad that he couldn't be a black person the whole time he had to be a cat and a blue dot yes <laughs> the, and he can only stand up to his mom as somebody other than a black man and he can only talk to his black friends as somebody other than a black man and, and he can only experience life as somebody other than a black man um just for music um majors everywhere band teachers and my son is one they are enraged why because um teaching band is not a second option career oh oh reach okay they're like um i did i went to school for four years so i could teach band not because i'm so depressed i have to teach band because i can't be a jazz musician
1: Thank you very much, teacher. Yes,
0: yes. And they're all very upset about it. All the band teachers.
1: This is what all of this is, is that, so Pixar started this, they were like brainstorming for an idea. And they're like, hmm, how do people get born? What happens before they're born? Blue to blah, blah, blue." And they start developing this story, which is originally going to be a white, character. That's our first problem. Then they're doing more of the pitch brainstorming and they're like, so yeah, it's about like the soul before someone's born and then like what makes a soul, their personality, what drives them, blah, 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 blah. Oh, we should find." And then they saw something like Herbie Hancock or Winston Marcellus or somebody talking about jazz and they're like, we want that. We like that idea, which is appropriation, by the way. It's like, I like something a black person's is saying, and a black person is passionate about something. I want to take that. <laughs> so they, they say, oh, it's jazz. This has got to be about jazz. So then they decide, since it's about jazz, at least they need to work with a black writer director. They barely knew it. And that's the thing, like, it's about like hearing about the sausage being made, like there's nothing pure about at this point, I think what Pixar is doing, you know? It's like, they're this machine and they need to turn out stories and they're like pitching and trying to figure stuff out and borrowing some from other people's cultures and passions. (laughs) And then they're like bringing people in. So they hire this guy, Kemp Powers, right? Who has written something that Regina King directed called one night in Miami, which is coming out and is supposed to be awesome. So they hire him and they're like, we want you to co-write, co-direct this, right? But but everybody else on the team is white. So at this point, you have one black writer, co-director that they have brought in, who's never written or been part of a Pixar production and is not given like full license to do whatever he wants. So it doesn't really mean anything. It means they're gonna get hints and glimpses and ideas that they can take or leave, right? And they're gonna to try to shoehorn it into this freaking thing that they've tried to like create. And then they start to, then they are all so proud of themselves because they brought in a bunch of cultural consultants. <laughs> and they're like, Herbie Hancock, Quincy Jones, we talked to so-and-so and who's he, what's it? But again, none of those people are the decision makers. They're just visitors. Right? Meanwhile, Kent Powers is the only one involved in the actual process of creating it, but he doesn't necessarily have any real power.
0: Well, how do they feel about it, you think? Who? The Black people they brought in.
1: Well, they, I mean, I think it's like all part of this sort of like, it's really easy to get like sort of into this culture of self-congratulatory. So like, yeah, we're bringing in Quincy Jones and Quincy Jones is going to come in and listen to the music and some of the stuff that we had written, and he's going to be like this, that, this, or tinker this or tinker that, and he's going to leave and feel like he contributed. And we're going to feel like we've really, you know, made sure to.
0: Well, here's the thing. You got to start somewhere. These people are starting from nowhere.
1: You got to Then they start should somewhere. just step down. Then why are they telling no. the stories?
0: because you have, you, they can't step down. It's not like you, they're, pre- they're trying to do something and they're, they're doing it terribly, but what? But they fail. But they won't fail next time. And as they do it, they will learn more and more and more because of the feedback people give them. Pixar has been around since Because Noah said, back. Noah was like, listen, at the end of the day, the, all the black actors were getting paid and there's a forum for them to work. It wasn't one black person and 25 white people in the cast. It was 25 black people and one white person. Um. Hmm. No. Mm -hmm. I mean, what are we going to, we can't complain that we don't have any black movies and then be mad when people are trying and it's going to be ugly. No. For a while.
1: Because what inclusion requires seeding power so the minute that they said we want there to be an element of jazz the the people who didn't know should have stood back and been like Kemp powers come in and do this do it why this
0: well they brought people
1: in. but they didn't bring anybody who was like in the core part of the creation they just like used them as consultants i'm not i'm whatever is of value is because they had cultural consultants is because they had one black writer. So sure. Maybe you get a thumbs up for that, but I just, I think it's really interesting. Like what ends up happening, the patchwork quilt of that type of a, an approach, you know, and how things like the fucking, how does Tina Fey end up playing 22? If anybody in that room had felt empowered or thought about it or, like was able to say, you know, we may be really going the wrong route if we have her voice 22 and take over a black man's body with sort of the controversy that she's created in her career. And why does she have to, you know, is it worth a little joke of, oh, I choose an annoying white lady because um, it's the most annoying voice I could find versus like, why couldn't 22 have just been another woman or a black woman Teaching Sometimes. him things, you know. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. It's like because nobody was there to go. Oh, you know, this is actually problematic, and this is what this is the road you're going to go down if you make this choice, and and this is like the results of what are going to happen, and then they have to be smart enough to actually listen to that, and adjust. Interesting. And I'm really curious. I'm really curious, like what he. I would love to have known like in the moment that they were like, and then we'll crack this joke. Like what were they trying to accomplish there? <laughs> what joke? About how she chooses the annoying white lady voice. Cause it's the most annoying voice she can find. Oh, she doesn't crack a joke in the movie. Yes, yeah, she does. She does. Yeah. She literally says that. That's why she sounds like that. Cause she's like, I could sound however I want. I've chosen a middle-aged white lady. Cause it's the most. annoying. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh. So (laughs) It's deliberate. They were conscious of it, and nobody challenged it. And it ruins the movie. For me, it did. Yeah, she did not have to talk like that. She did not have to talk like that. In fact, you're right. Like, if it even had just been Tina Fey. Right. But she's, I mean, I'm sorry, kind of the essence of the annoying white lady trope. So needed to probably not be Tina Fey. <laughs> Fascinating. Maybe she's in the, did she, was she part of the creative process of the movie? I don't, I don't think she was. But too, that's the other thing is like, sometimes you just wish people were more self-aware. There is literally no way that woman should have said yes to that part.
0: <laughs> like She doesn't get it. Nobody
1: gets it. And you're right. So then they need to have black people doing it. And then they, they don't trust them. The other th- Thing I just wanted to see if you noticed this. Audra actually is the one who noticed it. You know that terrifying moment when um, there, there, there's um, someone from the Great Beyond who's tr- or no, the Great Before who's trying to or no. <laughs> Anyways, yes, the Great Beyond. They're trying to get him to get back to the Great Beyond because he is like escaped. Um, right. And so at one point, oh, no. him and this other black man are on the street and the person from the great beyond is like sneaking around ready to snatch him and they're coming down the street and the thing from the great beyond snatches the wrong black guy traumatizes him (gasps) hates him like to the underbelly of the earth and then it's like oops wrong guy And then like yanks them back onto the earth and the black guy is shaking and horrified. And then this little spirit person from the great beyond is like, oh, come on, it wasn't that bad. You're okay, okay, bye.
0: Well, thank you for that.
1: Right, so these are just some of the casual and wonderful things that you didn't, they didn't have enough eyes on to correct and not totally be offensive. And that's a horrible story.
0: yeah they all look
1: alike right all look alike and it's literally it's like it's a it's a mini like opera about racial profiling and the trauma it inflicts on black men and how it's overlooked
0: (laughs) oh my god that's so true
1: um okay so wait i will probably call you back then because i was going to end with like a new year's thing so maybe we can tie that one up Um, Yeah, like, I'll call you as soon as she leaves. All right. I have a thing at three. But yeah, all right, call me. Bye. Bye. So Gina didn't call me back. Uh, She actually promptly took a nap. Uh, She had to go because her uh, daughter was visiting, which I didn't realize while we were recording, and she wanted to have time with um, them before they left. And so, uh, and then apparently got sleepy. Which is okay, because family first, even though I'm family, but you know what I mean. And also, one of my favorite things about my relationship with Gina is that we don't hold each other hostage. Which means, she said she was going to call me back. I fully didn't expect her to. If she did, great. If she doesn't, great. We never sort of, like, get mad at each other if we end up canceling plans. We take it all with a grain of salt, because our love is secure. and um. We're not trying to control the other person. So, I was going to do sort of a New Year's Eve sort of uh, send off with her by asking her uh, a series of questions. I actually got this from my friend Gail, who had posted it um, on Facebook. And um, it basically asks you to uh, think about what you're grateful for what you want to release from 2020, which I'm sure is a lot, what you want to receive in 2021, and I added to it what you want to give in 2021. So even though I was gonna ask Gina to uh, answer those prompts, I hadn't completely fleshed out what my answers were gonna be. So I offer you those prompts to consider I'm going to continue to consider them as well. But a funny thing just happened, my dear friend Allison. We had a conversation yesterday on the phone and uh as usual, you know, we just really link in our heart space. And so it was a good conversation and she sent me a lovely text today and one of the things she said is Uh, That for me, meaning for her, in your writing, she's referring to my writing, even the photo moments on Instagram, you bring so much joy. It's everything fabulous and truth without harm. And I immediately began to cry because all I've ever wanted to do in the work that I share is tell the truth without harm. And so for someone to articulate that and reflect that back to me, someone so dear to me without me asking is such a wonderful way for me to end 2020 and uh, really consider that phrase to be somewhat of a mantra for me going into 2021. So I will continue to bring joy and try to be everything fabulous and truth without harm uh, for my family, my friends, my colleagues, and for you who is listening. And Happy New Year.
0: Oh. Fly me to the moon and let me play hey, why did sky. you. Okay, I
1: guess that was that enough duck- of the melody. What? Okay. That's what works. I was thinking, but I didn't think I actually hummed that and then you started singing it. You did not hum it. Okay, that's terrifying. Thank oh you. my god. That is so weird. Wait, are you recording? Yes. <gasps> see if you hummed it. I'll see when I edit. Oh god, that's so scary. Well, I like uh, I went like this. I was like, oh, But I like had it in my mind that it didn't match the sound I made, and then oh you sang it. Oh my god. <laughs> We
0: are Seasters. Maybe it'll be
1: all right. Maybe you're
0: all wrong. Amazing Grace. Thank you, Lord. Bobblehead. Sugar pop. Work a lot. It's never sweet. Yeah.